I want to talk to you today about the days of evil, obstacles to heaven, and what the Bible has to say about each one of us when in regard to uh, days of evil. And he, Paul speaks about this issue in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 17. Let me read it to you here. Finally, Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. and Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's a personal sense in this, isn't there? Paul's given us a personal sense that the devil has a, has a, a vendetta against us. Um, he knows we're Christians, and he's got uh, systems that he uses. He's, he's, he schemes against us. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, then stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Wow, some powerful words there for us today. Lord, we pray that as we uh, look through, uh, Lord, your Word today, and as we consider the life of uh, that one particular character in the Old Testament, that's going to be a, a source of joy to us and direction. We pray that your Word will be um, powerful to us today. I pray that, Lord, as we, as we look at it, as we study it, as we think about it, that, Lord, it will, it will, it will just kind of nestle. It will, it will root itself in our spirits. That, Lord, even though we don't know how it happens, uh, that we'll just benefit from being under the influence of your divine word today, your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. It was uh, John Newton, and you know this, this very, very well. Um, in this, uh, his famous song, Amazing Grace, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." Fear who? You know, what's that saying? Taught me to fear God. Taught me how to fear and reverence God. And grace, my fears relieved. Different kind of fear there. It's a fear that is fears of doubt, fears of insecurity. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Those are words that we'd love to sing, don't we? We don't, uh, a lot of times we just sing the first verse of Amazing Grace. We don't sing the other three or four. There's even more verses to it. But uh, we, uh, I like, uh, we, we need to sing those other verses also because they are descriptive of the Christian life, of the, what the Christian faces here on this earth. And they're obstacles. These are obstacles to us in, uh, from, uh, in order to, uh, that block our way to heaven, I should say. You know, just like when we, uh, you know, we have so much learning to do when we're born into this world. You know, we have a lot of growing up to do when we first start out. It's the same with us when we're born again as well. When we're born again into God's family, we're bound to make lots of stumbles. We're bound to make lots of, uh, lots of mistakes, even willful mistakes. There's times when we accidentally stumble, but there's also times we willfully choose to do what's wrong. We know we shouldn't, and yet we do. Um, 
and uh, unwise decisions at times we make in our immaturity. Um, but God's plan for his kids, God's plan for his children, and particularly his spiritual children, is that we grow up and mature by resting in his wise care that comes from learning to live according to the truth in his word. That's really huge. Learning to live according to the truth in his word, in the Bible. That's really, really huge. My friends, this is so basic and so essential that unless we learn to emotionally treasure, emotionally treasure, and with faith determine to wrap God's word around uh, around us, around our minds, and around our souls, around our lives. Let me tell you, unless we do that, the devil and this world will have us for lunch. Sometimes when I'm putting away the grocery, or not the groceries, I'm putting away maybe the leftovers from supper. Sometimes I try to help Becky out a little bit. I'm not a buffoon all the time, you know. And uh, I like that. Um, I like that press and seal. Uh, Saran wrap type stuff. I don't really care if I don't. The Saran wrap and I are enemies. That the plain stuff, it never stays where you want it, and you know. And I, but the press and seal. Oh, I like that stuff. It just you just just stretch it, and it just stays right on there. And I got to tell you, when I was thinking of of what Paul, how he emphasizes here in his word about the importance of God's word, I'm thinking of this press and seal of how. When I wrap stuff in that, how it just stays so fresh and it doesn't even spill. You can turn it over, it doesn't spill. And I think that's what we need to do. What our goal is as God's children is that His Word, God, in order for us to be where God wants us to be, the maturing children He wants us to be, He wants us to wrap His truth around our lives tightly. He wants us to know it he wants us to know that his truth. He wants us to, to listen to sermons, to go to Bible studies. He wants us to listen to the radio preachers. He wants us, you know, the, the, the ones that are preaching, preaching the word. The Apostle Paul tells us that it's very clearly here in Ephesians 6 that for you and I to spiritually triumph, for us to mature loved ones, and to be his overcomers in this world and culture, we must first of all settle this matter of this book must always be primary in our life. It must always be primary. Uh, it never is out of date. It never will, should grow old to us. God, God's truth, which will many times be contrary, of course, to the values that we see around us in our, in our society. Wrapping God's truth around our waist, Paul says, kind of like a belt. The belt of truth. I mean, that's wrap it around the very core of who you are. Now that's, it's something you have to do. It's something that I have to do. God won't do it for us. As his disciple, as his child, we must learn his truth. We must learn his principles, his commandments. The Bible calls it the faith. We must learn the faith. That's what Paul was talking about when he said he came to the end of his life. I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. I have kept the truth of Christ. I have kept the doctrines, the commandments of God. That's really what being a genuine Christian is. You know, this belt of truth, it provides all the essentials 
this word provides all the essentials that we're going to need to make it to heaven. <laughs> if you want to get to heaven, you're gonna, we're going to have to know what the commandments are. We're going to know what the teachings of Jesus are. We have to know what the love of God is, what, what pleases the Heavenly Father. Matter of fact, Paul said that to the new disciples often, didn't he? He said, uh, you're going to face many hardships in this world, and you need to learn how to please God. You need to unlearn your pagan ways and learn how to please God. It's a learning process. And that's really what being a genuine Christian, you know, when, when people are looking at you and when they're not looking at you, that's being a, following his word when nobody's looking is what being a genuine Christian is. You know, when you like to take your weed whacker and throw it, there's no one around, and I hate this thing, and I just want to throw it right now. I had that experience last night. <laughs> no one was around. I could have gotten away with it. It would have done something in my heart that I lost control, even though it was a stupid weed whacker that Becky told me to get rid of two years ago. <laughs> Down in my basement, no one's there. I can watch something on TV that probably I wouldn't watch if I was with you. But that's not, that's not being a genuine Christian. God is always with us, looking. We're never alone. So being a Christian is following his word when nobody is with you and when nobody's even looking. Oh, I can only imagine last night the angels were rubbing it into the demons. Oh, did you see that? Huh? He didn't throw that thing. Doesn't that? Oh, I bet they were just rubbing it into the demons, you know, because, because it didn't matter that, that no human being was, was there. There were others there watching, watching if I was going to follow God's word or not. You know, um, then of course, when, when we're with our friends and temptation raises its ugly head, of course, we resist that too. But, but it's because, loved ones, why? It's because we're heaven-bound people. We're heaven-bound people. Amen? I tell you, uh, let me tell you something here. If you love Jesus, you will face days of evil. I'm talking about specific days that will come specifically against you. And make no mistake, it's not, um, it's not every day. This doesn't happen every day. And it doesn't happen even every month. I'm not talking that this is something unique here. It's, um, you know, um, it's not the regular trials that we face uh, um, and struggles that are the normal hassle of being a Christian in the world. You know, we, we know that. There's, every day there's a hassle about being a, a Christian in, in some way. You're, some minor temptation or some trial, some, some pain in the neck thing that you have to deal with. You know, uh, just uh, some, like, kind of like mosquitoes on a summer night. You know, you think, man, would you just stay away, you know. And, but you have to, you know, all of us go through that. That's not what this is. That, you know, that's not what Paul's talking about here when he's talk, talking about the days of evil. Uh, days of evil are different than these typical little hassles we go through. Let me tell you, these days of evil are spiritual grenades with our names on them. 
hope you're listening because the devil, he schemes against you. And these are these, these days of evil are these spiritual spiritual grenades with our names on them. Paul makes it clear that the devil is strategic, and he and he designs schemes against you and me. And can I put the word particularly? It's got your name on it. Remember a story of uh, um, I really like the writings of Stormy Omartian. Stormy is. Um, She's quite a writer, written like over 50 books, I believe, on prayer and things, and just a wonderful. She used to uh, attend, uh, I think she still may attend there, the Church of the Way out in Van Nuys, California, where Pastor Jack Hayford was the pastor there for years. He's now long, long retired. But she tells a story about how that she, um, one day she was impressed by the Lord in prayer that she was uh, uh, praying for her pastor, and that she prayed for Pastor Jack, the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, I need you to, uh, you need to pray for Pastor Jack because the, the, the devil wants to destroy his heart, destroy his soul. His wants to, something to happen to him that will just crush him. Will just crush him. And so she began praying. So, oh Lord, spare Pastor Jack from whatever this is that could come. And uh, there were some others that she shared with, and they began praying, say, we something's going to happen to Pastor Jack. I, and they even shared with, uh, with Jack Hafer that we're, we're kind of concerned for you. They're, the devil's got something schemed against you. And so, of course, he was concerned too, but they all began to pray and distrust the Lord. And a couple, three months went by, and nothing seemed to happen. And everything, so it was kind of lightened, kind of lightened up a little bit. Like, okay, well, it's been been a while now. And then Jack Heaford takes over the story, and he tells, he says, there was a Saturday when all my grandchildren, I, he had little grandkids at that time. I don't remember the particular child, but he said um, the kids were all playing out, and and it was time to come in there, and uh, so they all, I called them in, and they came through the garage door, and our garage door, the spring was broken on it, so it was really heavy to lift up and down, you know, and um, and uh, I thought all the kids had come in, and so I I pulled the door, and it was coming down, and those garage doors are pretty heavy if you ever had to lift them. And in came his little granddaughter, about this tall. She was coming right in, and the garage door was coming down. And Jack Hayford said, ah, his heart was stirred, and he said, and he's, he's fairly, you know, he's probably, I'm going to guess he's in his late 50s or maybe even 60s at this age time. He said, I reached out and held it up with one hand. I felt so strong and I held it up long enough where she could get through and then I let it crash to the floor and the Holy Spirit said that was the moment right there that was the moment right there the devil has days of evil particular days that he will has a design to destroy us. In the Old Testament, Job had a specific day of evil when God allowed Satan to purposely take away those earthly things that brought Job security. It, it's usually something very specific that has the potential. The, 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 devil, the devil knows us. 
and he has got the potential to destroy us, to defeat us, or even to devour us, because the Apostle Peter says that's what the devil is trying to do, is de devour your faith. Um, devour, you know, your, your loving trust in the Lord. And um, it could be a health issue uh, that you might have. It could be a health issue that of someone you love. It could be the loss of a loved one, maybe in death, or if some sort of estrangement. It could be a loss of a career. You know, it could be anything that the devil would know that would really strike at your very soul. But whatever it is, it's uniquely designed to test and to crack your confidence in God's word and God's truth. It's, it's designed to throw fear harshly in your face and to test whether your personal security really, where it really lies. Job was a man who lived around the time of Abraham in the Old Testament about 2,000 years before Jesus. And he genuinely loved Yahweh. He genuinely loved the Lord. And because of that, Satan took him on as a special project, it seems. The goal, as you read Job chapter 1, chapter 2, the goal was to specifically undermine Job's security in God and just goad and harass Job into cursing God to his face. He said, God, if you let me do this and this to him, he'll curse you to his face, to your, your face. And the strategy was to do this, to financially ruin Job, to remove all the blessings of finance and wealth from Job's life, and to grieve him through the loss of his treasured children and his beloved servants. And not only to do it that, to do that, but to do it all in one day. The first thing that we read there is that Job, he, Job's day of evil was that he lost what a, a thousand, a thousand or um, a thousand oxen and five hundred donkeys were stolen from him. Thieves came and not only stole the, the 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 property, but also killed all of his servants. And in a in a household, a Jewish household, there servants were like family. So Job knew these people who were killed. And just as this was being, these people were good friends, of course, and just, this was, as this was being reported to Job what had happened, um, you know, the, uh, the messenger rushed in with this, with this report, like this, this is what happened. Another messenger came and reported some, something else that just happened. Job, he lost his entire flock of 7,000 sheep through some sort of a fiery disaster. Some natural disaster just destroyed all of his sheep. And not only that, it also killed his servants as well. And as that was being reported to him, another servant, another messenger came, came in with this news that there's more thieves, a different, a different kind of, uh, a diff from a different uh, country came, and they stole uh, his 3,000 camels, and they killed all the servants as well. And as, as that was being reported, another, another messenger came and all of Job's kids, seven sons and three daughters, were killed in a tornado that destroyed the eldest boy's house. They were all there together. This probably included other family members as well, probably, you know, the wives and the husbands of, of, these, of these kids and grandkids. So there's a lot of sorrow, a lot, a lot of, this was a truly a day of evil that was pinpointed on Job. Satan's strategy, though, failed. He couldn't devour Job's faith, his confidence in God, because 
During the days before the storm, we read, before all this happened, we read that Job had matured his soul. He had wrapped God's word, he's wrapped God's truth around his life. He followed the Lord, he was preparing his life, you know, for this day of evil. He, he centered his life on the truth of God. He knew it, he practiced it. He practiced what the, the Bible that they had at that time, he practiced it. And in all of his, law, his loss, the Bible says Job responded out of truth that, that was the foundation of his life. He had been putting God's word in his life. He had wrapped God's word around his life. And so when this tragedy hit, he responded out of that foundation. That's how, that's how, he, that's how he responded. He responded because, you know, he had prepared his soul already. And, of course, that's what held him together. And we, we, know, what, we know what he said. It's, he said, uh, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. And he said this wise and... Uh, we need to understand it. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Can you imagine saying that after all that loss? He had, he had saturated his life with, with the truth of God. God was the center of everything in his life. And he said, God, you're sovereign. You, you take care of me. You, you give me what I've got. And I'm just called to be a steward over it. But you give me everything I got. And so if, if I lose it, it's because you have allowed it to happen. You're the giver and you're also the taker. Amen. So he, he knew that he was just supposed to be a steward over the oxen and donkeys, over the sheep, over all the camels, and even over his, his servants as well as his ten, ten children. And in all that loss, he just threw himself upon God as his only hope. You know, as his only hope to, to fill up the vacuum of grief that he had, you know, in losing all of that, especially the loss of his family and friends. And Job was saying, kind of like Abraham would, in his experience, where God said, sacrifice your only son Isaac. You know, Isaac was his all and was, was, it was his treasure that God had promised him. And now God was asking him to give up Isaac. And, and Abraham didn't wrestle with that at all. He was willing to do it. And because he knew God would do the right thing. And, um, both Abraham and Job were kind of saying the same thing. I sacrifice everything, Lord, as long as I know I have you. No, Job may have thought this. He may have thought, well, things can't get worse. <laughs> but Satan wasn't satisfied, was he? Satan was perplexed. Why didn't Job curse God? Because that was the whole point of all of this. And, you know, and uh, I was going to throw it in God's face that uh, he only loved you, God, because of what you do for him. And and uh, Satan didn't understand that kind of discipleship that Job had. He didn't understand that kind of determined love for God that Job had. It was a puzzlement to him. Why would Job still keep on being faithful to God? So Satan asked God to allow him to attack Job's, remember, his health. He said, I tell you, if you attack him, Lord, you know, if you let me attack him with, on his health, he'll curse you to his face, to your your, your face. He'll, he'll curse your face. And so Job developed horrendous boils and sores that required him to scrape the pus away with a broken piece of pottery. His wife tempted him to curse God. But God, but Job said, uh, he said, um, you know, shouldn't we, should we just accept good things from God and not trouble? That's what he told his wife. Should we just only accept the good things and, and not trouble? 
you know, I used to be a little hard on Job's wife. I'm not as hard as I used to be because I, you know, she, she lost all of her children too. You know, she, she lost everything as well. Where she slipped up is that she attacked her husband. Didn't, instead of being an encouragement, she was a discouragement to him. And uh, because she was under the belief, like was common that day, that if these kind of things happen to anybody, it has to be because they're a rotten sinner, because they're wicked. And Job wasn't. Job knew he, this wasn't the case. He was in step with God. This went on for a while, all, this, all these sores and this struggling and trouble, as you know, and the big chapters to follow after one and two there. Job went on for quite a while. And although he's very discouraged and he struggled day after day with very little encouragement from his wife or his friends, Job was determined to be invincible. He was determined. It's hard. He didn't, I'm sure he didn't feel it. He didn't have this wonderful worshiping moments, you know, where, that we, where our emotions are high. I'm sure he didn't feel it. But true faith doesn't always feel. True faith is determined to do what's right. As, 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 God, as God says what is right. And uh, that's what he did. He was determined with a willful, obedient confidence to do what is right to the very end. And you remember what he said? Job thirteen fifteen. He said, uh, Though he slay me, I might, I might die any time here. Yet, I hope in him. Wow. I'm sure God was beaming he said, I've taken everything away from him that would, that, would, uh, that would prompt him to want to love me. And taking away everything that would be the props that would hold him up, he still loves me. Wow. Satan just scratching his head and mad, and God's just beaming, you know. Job had been through the fire, and God had purified his faith like pure gold. Isn't that encouraging to us? Because the day of evil finally does come to an end. It finally will come to an end. God makes sure it comes to an end. My friends, do you read your Bible? Um, if, you, if you do read it, do you read it with the intention of learning how to better glorify God? Sometimes we read our Bibles, at least I've known people who have read them, just to say, well, kind of like, like a check mark. <laughs> I did that today. Or do you, you know, we, that's really not how we should read our Bible. We should read our Bible with the intention of saying, God, would you teach me something from your word today? And as we read it, you know, start any place you want as you read it, you know. And I just kind of figure, you know, some, I kind of figure, if a person's hungry, do I have to tell them exactly how to take the spoon up and put it in their mouth? Now, sometimes I think we make this way too hard, you know. You just begin reading the Bible. You begin reading it. The Holy Spirit will train you and teach you and show you the truth of God in it. Even in some of the boring chapters, you know, what we would consider boring, there's some nuggets that are just amazing in their principles of God's truth. We don't have to be told how to eat, do we? We just need to eat. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I want to encourage you to pray to love God's Word more. If, if you only read God's Word when I put it up here on the screen, I'd really want to encourage you to pray for God's grace to treasure your Bible 
and to read it regularly through the week at least four to five times you know get it out and just read it at least four or five times S set aside some time 10 15 minutes or whatever to just read it and to ask god to show you truth in it you know i've experienced days of evil days of discouragement days of darkness if you will at least uh, i know a couple times i remember i have have experienced them in my in my walk with the lord where i was on the edge of even despair it's a horrible place to be when those kind of grenades are you know grenades are thrown at you but it tell you, it really taught me it, it, it taught me so much about myself and taught me about my real faith and that my faith is going to have to cost me something sometimes and uh um Peter uh, says to us in First Peter, he, he says this to us, he said, uh, he warns us, he says, be alert and so reminded for your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing and staying firm in the faith. And that faith again is the objective doctrines, the, the truth of God. Let me just wind this down for us today. As we just look at what Paul had to say there, as we read in Ephesians chapter, chapter six and We'll just kind of go right through these, and it should make a lot of sense to you. Um, Paul tells us that there are some essentials in order for us to win against the day of evil when it comes against us. There are some essentials that when that day of evil comes, it will come to you. It will come. And we need to know the Word of God and it has to be wrapped around us like a blanket, like saran wrap, like press and seal, <laughs> wrapped around us holding us together and I kind of I don't know if you remember the very first picture we had up there it was a picture of a road with a big tree across it I don't know if you remember that or not but it, it was there and I thought well you know the essentials you know to get through something like that you're gonna have to have a chainsaw so you know these, these kind of these are the essentials these are the chainsaw this the chainsaw essentials of, of, of the Lord for us when our day of evil comes and uh, the uh, the first essential Paul says and I've already talked about it is this belt of truth this belt of truth of course is the Word of God this is the Word of God and actually we're gonna see something that's very interesting that actually well I'm not gonna tell you until the, until the very end here but the Word of God of course is is the essential that we have to have it's basic and we it's if we don't have it you're gonna fly apart you're not going to survive the, the day of evil. Um, it needs to surround our core. The, the second thing Paul said is essential is the breastplate of righteousness. Excuse me. Breastplate of righteousness. And, and if we read his Psalm 119, um, uh, 119, 117, it says to us here, 172, excuse me, it says, May my tongue sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. We're right back to the word of God again. The belt, the belt of truth is the word of God. The breastplate of righteousness is the word of God. Let's go on. What's the next one Paul says? There's the, the gospel of peace. The, the, the readiness of this gospel. Being ready to share the word of God. The gospel is the word of God. You're going to see a pattern here I think. The next one is the shield of faith Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says what or it says that uh, you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by word of God our shield of faith is the word of God it's our confidence and our faith in God's truth in his in his commandments 
Yeah, what's, what's the next one? I think it's the helmet of salvation. <laughs> salvation comes only from God's word. Paul wrote to Timothy that he was saved. He said, Timothy, you were saved because you know why? You knew the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. From infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. <laughs> one last one. How about this one? The sword of the spirit, which is the truthful word of God, Paul says right there. Do you see the connection here? Paul says the essentials that we need to fight the day of evil that comes against us, that the devil uses against us, it is... The Word of God around our life. It protects us. It's our shield. It's also, you know, it's our, it's, it's our, it's our ability to um, share the hope we have of the gospel with other people. It's also this, the sword. It's the, the Word of God is our sword against the devil. We, Jesus, you know how he, when he was tempted, well, when Adam and Eve were tempted, what did they do? They, uh, they didn't believe God's word. The devil said, did God really say this? And, uh, well, maybe, maybe we know uh, uh, he did, but uh, maybe we can't trust him. And that's what happened. They distrusted God's word. They trusted man's word, their own word. Jesus did just the opposite. Whenever he was tempted, what did he do? He says, the word says this. The word says that. Amen. So, loved ones, as we um, in our journey to heaven, as we as we go to as we are on our journey, the Word of God must always be central in our life. Always, it has to be always. Paul said it's the essential that was is going to enable us to overcome the days of evil the devil throws at us. Thank goodness they're not every day. I would say probably in my life of walking with Jesus these decades, it's maybe no more than maybe 10 times when just uh, these just devastating, oppressive days of evil tried to pull the rug out from underneath me in my walk with Jesus. Thank the Lord they're not every day. Thank goodness it's, you know, I'm just swatting mosquitoes most, most of the time. You know, but when those days do come, it's been this book that has held me together. And that's what he wants us to do. To mature. To mature up in our lives as his children. I hope that you will see more centrally and more just see the priority that the Word of God needs to be in your life. Let's pray. Father, today as we leave, we pray that... Uh, we won't just leave and forget what your spirit has tried to convey to us today. I pray that, uh, Father, that as brothers and sisters in Jesus, we're all going to experience these days of evil, particularly, particularly designed for us. The devil's going to throw them at us. But we want to be there for one another, to lift each other up, to bear each other's burdens, to fulfill that part of the truth of the Word of God. And we know that there's other truths, Lord, other things that will be in play in, in our lives when these days of evil come. But, but we want to simply walk in the light as you're in the light, in the truth. 
so that we will be reflections of Jesus and that your spirit will be felt in our life, that people will sense that we are different because the Word of God is wrapped around us. We, we live, Lord, not, not in strange ways, but we, we live in reasonable, righteous ways that, are, that show a person how to get to heaven, how to be saved. So we pray today that the Word of God become more prominent in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you, keep you, and uh, let's stand together. And uh, again, hope you'll take that time to read the Word every day.